I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Quiet, please. You ready for the big solo? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Is the Lars Larson Show. Never apologize for being patriotic. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. And now. Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. My memory is so bad I let you speak. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to get to your phone calls and emails. I've got to talk not about the Super Bowl. That doesn't have as much interest to me, but about a shooting that happened at a church near Dallas, Texas yesterday. And I was following the events uh, as they went along. I was watching uh, the news coverage, and I was curious, what strange thing are we going to find about the person who tried to take lives at uh, Joel Osteen's church north of Dallas, Texas, about 30 miles away. Now, I don't know, Mr. Osteen, but here's what I do know. What happened was a person walked into that church. The person was carrying a gun, and the person had with them a five-year-old child, and that child was wounded. Thankfully, there was one other person wounded, but two off-duty law enforcement people, one from alcohol and beverage control and the other from another law enforcement agency, quickly pulled guns and shot the person with the gun. Now, this is where it gets really, really strange, because we know a few things about this person. We know that the person has gone by both male and female names, we believe, based on the police reports, that the person is female but may have identified as a male at some point. We also know that person has a long criminal history of some violence and other kinds of crimes as well. We know the person is an immigrant to the United States. Now, I've had a few people suggest to me that that means they're an illegal alien as well. We don't know that at this point. We know that this person is from El Salvador. We know that this person has been in the United States long enough to accumulate a criminal record, which means this person, male or female, we still haven't figured that out, because it appears to be a biological woman who has gone by both male names and female names, and that's where I think it gets the most interesting, because society, our society, needs to start taking a hard look at the incidents of violent events 
connected to transgender individuals because they are committing violence in this country at a rate that is way disproportionate to the number of actual transgenders in our society. Now, transgender has been a controversial topic. It means billions and billions of dollars for doctors and hospitals and clinics. They're making money to beat the band when it comes to transgender. We know that it's a political issue as well. And we know that in this case, it's also an issue of violence. So we'll get into that. Oh, and by the way, on the side of the AR-15 being carried by this male or female, it appears biological female, were the words free Palestine, which means that's part of the issue as well. But let me get into that in just a moment. First, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. If you want to join the best conversation and talk journalism on this Monday, you're certainly welcome at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you happen to be a naysayer, well, we're going to put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And our poll on X used to be called Twitter, but now the poll on X, the White House bans the use of TikTok. And in fact, Joe Biden himself has told federal agencies have TikTok removed from devices that are owned by the federal government. And why? Because it is believed to be a Chinese communist spy device. I know it sounds like a conspiracy theory. There is too much actual knowledge behind that. Even Joe Biden would agree that it is banned from the White House. It is banned from federal agencies by Joe Biden's order. That was the Biden administration that said, if you've got TikTok on your government-owned phone, you take it off. If it's on your iPad, take it off. If it's on your desktop, take it off. So the question is, should Joe Biden's political campaign for re-election be using TikTok as he did this past weekend? I would say no to that. I mean, just out of a sense of consistency, if nothing else. But the White House bans the use of TikTok. Should Joe Biden's political campaign be using it? I would answer no. You can answer any way you like. You'll find the question at X or at LarsLarson.com. You'll also find it on our website at LarsLarson.com. Now, I want to tell you why I would draw the conclusion that our society needs to take a hard look at transgender individuals. Let's start with this. Even the people who think of transgenders in the most sympathetic terms would tell you why society has to do for these people. Has to do what? Transgender surgery, hormone treatment, and the rest. And then they extend that and say, and we have to do it to children as well. And we've talked about that issue. This is something different. There is a disturbing amount of violence that is tied in to transgender individuals and i know i'm going to hear people saying oh no lars you're mistaken about this first of all think about it logically we're told by those most sympathetic to transgender that if you do not offer them the treatment they want the hormone treatment to try as much as you can to transform a man into a woman a woman into a man a boy into a girl a girl into a boy and for children, this means chemical and surgical mutilation of those children. It is dead wrong, and it should stop. But I want you to consider the number of incidents we've heard about just in recent years that have involved mass shootings, many of them aimed at religion or at religious institutions that involve transgender people. Colorado Spring shooter, non-binary. Nashville school shooter, transgender. Aberdeen shooter, 
transgender. Denver school shooter, transgender. Iowa school shooter, trans or gender fluid. And now, most recently, this incident north of Dallas, Texas, at the Lakewood Church, that's Joel Osteen's church, a transgender individual or somebody who has identified as transgender. So then you say, well, Lars, that's half a dozen different incidents. They were all notable national events. And when I talk about these mass shootings, I'm not talking about the day-to-day gangbanger shootings that are happening by the hundreds in America. Because one of the things I'll warn you about is they try to meld all those numbers together and say it's a mass shooting if somebody goes into, say, the, uh, uh, the convent, uh, the church in Nashville and carries out a shooting, and that that is the same as a gangbanger who's settling some kind of score with a fellow gang or a rival gang by going in and doing a drive-by shooting. They are not at all the same. But consider these numbers. Trans individuals are well overrepresented in terms of attacks. And what you find from the CDC's Behavior Risk Factor Surveillance System and the Youth Risk Behavior Survey, you find that the number of transgender individuals involved in shootings from 2018 to 2023 in that five-year period is seven and a half times as many as there are transgender individuals in American society. It suggests to me that people who have mental disease, they are mentally disturbed, they are boys who think they're girls, they're men who think they're women, vice versa, that that is mentally disturbing, and the people who sympathize with that group say why they might even commit suicide or they might show up at your church and try to shoot you dead if a good guy with a gun doesn't stop a bad trans with a gun back in a moment glad to get your calls you're listening to the lars larson show and the radio northwest network I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Broadcasting from his socially distanced bunker to yours, it's sanitized entertainment. Here's Lars Larson. That makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense. Right, your body well right, you know you got a right to sit. This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? 
that great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead fish wrapper or mainstream media bias. Hey, before I start into the commentary, I want to correct something I said a moment ago. I said outside of Dallas, uh, Joel Osteen's church is, of course, outside of Houston, and so I want to make that correction, although it's not central to the issue. The central issue is, why are we seeing so many transgender individuals who are launching attacks, especially, it seems, uh, uh, out of proportion uh, to their presence in the population, and out of proportion because they seem to be attacking both schools and uh, churches as well. That's the significant thing I wanted you to notice. In any case, Oregon desperately needs new housing. Government created this problem, so more government seems very unlikely to actually fix it. Two things made it happen. For more than 50 years, the government of Oregon has artificially and unnecessarily locked up land with Senate Bill 100 and urban growth boundaries. In other words, Oregon did to land what the OPEC oil cartel did to oil, create a shortage and drive the price through the roof. And why? After more than 150 years of statehood, human beings now occupy less than 4% of all the land in the state of Oregon. You'd think we could free up a bit more land to cut the cost of housing. We don't occupy that much space to begin with. Second, greedy local governments have jacked up so-called system development fees. So before you even turn a shovel full of dirt or pound in a nail, you pay the government tens of thousands of dollars. And you're paying for sewer and water and roads and schools that literally don't yet exist. And I had somebody write to me and say, Lars, well, how are they supposed to pay for the roads and the schools and the water lines and all that? And I said they pay for them the way they always do, through water fees and sewer fees and property taxes and income taxes and gasoline and diesel and vehicle registration fees. You pay for them that way, and you pay for them as you go, rather than saying to somebody who wants to build a house, hey, you got to pay $100,000 to the government before you can do anything with that piece of land you bought, before you build a house, and before you start to pay us more taxes. Now, the legislature wants to address the housing shortage by raising a new state property tax, and Governor Kotek claims that a half billion dollars in state subsidies will cut the cost of housing. Both of those are foolish moves. I'll tell you what, do this instead. Let's suspend the urban growth boundaries either indefinitely or forever. Let's slash or suspend system development charges. Make it as easy to get a permit to build a house as it is for Oregon Democrats to take illegal campaign contributions. And from Twitter came this comment, Senate Bill 1537. Smells like another money laundering scam that Oregon is well known for. Here's what's going to happen, and this was offered up by somebody whose Twitter account is Shallow Grave. $500 million will be allocated if Tina Kotek gets her way. The money will go to nonprofits that are connected to the Democrats. The nonprofits kick back millions of dollars to Democrat politicians. Nothing gets accomplished. Rinse and repeat. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you completely insane? Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really stupid. Find out right now.
Well, I want to remind you of a grill we gave one week ago today, and that was to City Commissioner and Mayor Wannabe Renee Gonzalez of Portland. He is currently a city commissioner. He aspires to be the mayor of the city of Portland. And a week ago, I faulted him by saying this. City Commissioner Renee Gonzalez aspires to the job of mayor. So what kind of leadership has he displayed lately? He quit taking Max Light Rail to work because, according to his own social media post, a woman accosted him. News reports make that sound serious, but accosted only means to boldly approach somebody. And by all accounts, this woman constituent did just that with hard questions and even some criticism about Gonzalez's policies on the homeless. Ironically enough, the very group of drug-addicted and mentally ill who create serious hazards for people who are trying to take transit to work. What did the courageous commissioner do? Rene declared that he would avoid light rail indefinitely. Gonzalez doesn't like hard questions. I know this because he's never agreed to answer any questions on this program. So the man who would be a mayor runs from criticism and tough questions from his own constituents. We already have one of those in feckless Ted Wheeler. And look how that's working out. Did Gonzalez demand tough security on transit? Did he insist the city clean up the homeless? Did he crack down on street drugs? Did he do something about the mentally ill who routinely assault people both on transit and off transit? No, Rene retreated behind his taxpayer-funded security where he won't have to face tough questions from pesky constituents. Well, guess what? There's a brand new development in this. I know that most of the stories said that Rene Gonzalez was accosted. That is, this woman approached him boldly. But he also complained that she deliberately bumped him, bumped his shoulder and bumped his leg. Didn't hit him, didn't uh, uh, assault him. She bumped into him. But now we find out more. And I'll give full credit to OregonLive.com. I usually call them the Daily Dead Fish Wrapper. There's videotape of this encounter between Renee Gonzalez and the woman. She walks up the path in the middle of the train as the train is in motion, and her sleeve appears to brush by his sleeve. He considers that some kind of assault from a constituent and that that puts a different flavor on the comments that she made. I think Renee Gonzalez does not have the guts to be mayor of any city, let alone Portland. Today's best email, but you can always send more to talk at LarsLarson.com, comes in from Ryan. Lars, about last week's uh, report that found Joe Biden willfully took classified documents in violation of the law, then retained them illegally, and then shared them with people in violation of the law. But his own DOJ concludes that he is too senile to be indicted and put on trial. Jack Texera writes, Ryan, a 21-year-old member of the Massachusetts Air National Guard was accused of leaking U.S. classified documents. He's in jail awaiting trial and faces six counts of retaining and transmitting sensitive national defense information. Each one of those six carries a sentence of up to 10 years in jail. Shouldn't this be what President Biden and his staffers are facing? Thanks, Ryan. Ryan, I'd have to agree with you about that. To your calls now, let's start with John. Hey, John, welcome to the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? All right. Uh, I wanted to fill in some blanks that might uh, be relevant to the trans issue here um, in America. The uh, 8,500% increase that people have seen over the last several years, which was reported in, in one article in transsexualism, is actually being, uh, as you well know, to programmed into the children's schools, right? Yep, it is. Well, if that's true then we would go one step further and say that they're also being programmed to some degree to do these violent crimes because 
bottom line is is that they, they want them to be self-exterminated, first of all. That's, it's not just about uh, the uh, medications that they're on, which, are, of course, uh, hospitals are expensive with that. But it's the idea that they're actually being self-exterminated and they're committing the crimes that they want the public to see yep. so that we're all in fear of our lives. If you feed into somebody's d disturbed belief that they are in fact male and not female, etc., and you make and and they're already dissatisfied with who they are right now, and then you feed into that by telling them, "Oh, you must be right. You are in fact female instead of male." You're just setting somebody up for a colossal. Not all of them, but you're setting some of them up for colossal mental collapse, which I think happened yesterday. The Lars Larson Show. You can't get enough, Lars. Podcast every show at LarsLarson.com. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Well, it seems the Oregon legislature has some nasty plans in mind, and I should say the Democrats at the Oregon legislature have some dastardly plans to try to rush through a statewide property tax. And I thought we'd talk about that with Jason Williams, who heads up the Taxpayer Association of Oregon. Jason, welcome back to the program. And you were communicating to me this morning They've put this on a fast track, which means they're planning to try to get this thing passed in this short session. Yes, normally the lawmakers meet for six months, but this year they're meeting for one month, and they're using that time to introduce the statewide property tax. We didn't even know that this bill had a bill number until February 1st, and they didn't announce that they were having a hearing until later on Friday, which means people wake up on Monday today to realize that there is a hearing on Tuesday that could increase their property taxes in the long run. And by by both removing some of the Measure 5 and Measure 50 limits, um, it would allow state politicians, state lawmakers, to raise their own property taxes. People are used to property taxes being county and city, local. Right. You know, you right. pay for your local services. Now the state politicians say, hey, Let's do it from the state. Why not have Portland raise property taxes all over rural Oregon uh, for their problems? And they want to use it for public safety, well, which is crazy. Jason, can you give me one detail on this? Because as you said, property taxes, as long as I owned a home in Oregon, were always at the county level, county and city level. So you could have school board levies and uh, public safety levies and things like that. But they were all decided city by city or county by county, not at the state level. Is this statewide property tax going to be on top of all those county property taxes? Yes. So it's your current property taxes plus whatever the state wants to put on top of it. And uh, I think I think it's interesting that they want it, they're, they're selling it as oh we need it for public safety. Well, you know Portland, they defunded cops by fifteen million, and then now they're building a fifteen million skate park. So Portland gets to defund their cops, but then they could charge. Uh, you know, rural Oregon raised the property taxes in, you know, in uh, Wasco County. Well, um, ju just so stuff. people know what you're saying, Jason, the vast majority of the votes that will decide to either pass a statewide property tax at the legislature or not, or to raise it at some point, are going to come from the Portland and Eugene metro areas, right? Yes. Okay. So, in other words... They can sit there in Eugene and Portland, mostly Portland, and say, let's raise the statewide property tax. And you may have 30 other counties that say no, but if six counties say yes, 
uh, then the six counties win because they have the greatest number of state legislators in Salem, right? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's all done by the state legislators, and uh, yeah, Portland has a bigger population, and so they have more state lawmaker representation. So, well, I mean, the Portland Metro has about about fifty percent of the entire state population. If you add in Lane County and Marion County, you're well over sixty percent of the population, and they get to raise taxes on everybody else. And then there's the question of uh, even if they get this thing. What are they going to spend it on? And you put together a great list of some of the crazy stuff they're spending money on right now. Would you mind going through a few of those? And I'll, I'll start with, I don't hate baseball, but I don't think it should be paid for by the taxpayers. And part of their, their plan to spend money in Salem right now is to, is to give 20 million bucks away to baseball, right? Yes. Yeah. There's a list of uh, things that they want to spend money on. One of them is for baseball, which the total tax subsidy might be as high as, as $40 million, roughly $24,000 per person who comes in to that stadium, the Hillsboro Hops. They're talking about expanding food stamps to cover hot foods like pizza and french fries and hot dogs. Um, that would, um, that would of course, blow up the, <laughs> the spending on that. They're talking about a, a bailout for uh, art programs and the Shakespeare Festival, like millions of dollars for the Shakespeare Arts Festival, or excuse me, Shakespeare Art, um, Shakespeare. Well, Festival and, and by the way, let me yeah. throw in, Jason, that I have nothing to dislike about the Shakespearean Festival, except lately they seem to have wanted gone woke. They hired a young lady to head the operation up. She took it woke. The, the thing had a terrible time, uh, and, and they were losing a lot of audience because she wasn't putting on Shakespeare, or if she was, she was putting it on with a political tinge to it, uh, and, and, and audiences didn't like it. And so they found themselves in deep, deep debt. They, they're looking for a two and a half million yeah. dollar bailout, right? Yeah, and they have been injecting politics into classical plays, Shakespeare plays, uh, for a long time. Uh, anyway, they, they can put Trump into them, they can. There's another thing that, that they just started doing here in Oregon. They've been giving out $1,000 checks to homeless people, young homeless people, no restrictions, just straight-up cash to young homeless people to spend for whatever they want. So when, when they come up with this idea of HDR 201, which would raise statewide property taxes, the first ever, Create the statewide problem. These are some of the things that they want to spend it on because they're blowing the money. And there's a hearing tomorrow, and we want people to show up at that hearing. And if we have a site that explains all this, OregonWatchdog.com. But people need to get up and say something because they're blowing our money. Kotech just found $600 million in surplus funds. Now she wants to use it to build private homes for people. Which, which makes no sense because, Jason, I, I just finished suggesting, because I do that in my commentary, I said, look, the government created this problem uh, through two mechanisms. One was urban growth boundaries, an outcome of Senate Bill 100, the land use law from, I think, 1973. So they artificially sh uh, shorted the supply of, of land, and that caused the cost of, of a house lot to go through the roof. Um, and then and then cities and counties said, well, we want money up front to build all the infrastructure we will build someday. So before you can build your house, yes, you'll still be paying water bills and sewer bills and utility bills and everything else. But we want a bunch of money up front for all the utilities that haven't been built already. 
and and who knows that they will be built but they say you have to give us money up to a hundred thousand dollars in fees and permit fees uh... to to simply build a single-family house and i said if you if you took off the urban growth boundaries or suspended them for a time i would take them off altogether uh... and simply let people build where they want to build housing build housing and and i would either suspend or or indefinitely or get rid of the system development charges those two changes alone, I think, would, would create a gigantic amount of new housing because the private sector would say, finally, we can buy land at a decent price. We can build without paying tens of thousands of dollars to government up front before we've even built the house, before you've even property taxed the house. We can build the houses right now. That would cause a big jump in housing. But Salem wouldn't be able to dictate who gets the housing, what does it cost, who does it benefit. Yeah. They want to call all the shots, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and there's there's another sneaker thing with this whole scheme. People think when they, they raise property taxes, yes, it's going to throw seniors out, people on limited income, veterans, retired people, they're in trouble. But this raises a statewide property tax, raises it on commercial property. And right now, places like Portland, they've got, they've got vacancy, huge empty buildings, office buildings. How is raising property tax on businesses right now when businesses are going empty business buildings are going empty so it you know it's um it's very destructive oh and raising one, one other thing to throw in jason they're gonna that property tax as they've written it applies to what they call intangibles and personal property meaning all yeah. the inventory that your company owns every machine every desk every computer all of that will be taxed. Typically, they're not taxed today, or they're taxed differently. They want this statewide property tax to apply to inventory and every piece of equipment that your company owns, except I'm willing to bet that companies like Intel will get a special exception from that. That's uh, Jason Williams from the Tank Bay Association. Back in a moment. I'll get to your calls in a moment. You're listening to Monday on the Lars Lars. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Email talk at larslarson.com. He actually reads them. More with Lars right now. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. You got to love this. In the state of Washington, apparently, Democrats in the state legislature have decided that they have solved every single problem that the legislature might address. 
Now, I don't think they have. They haven't addressed the climate tax that is driving a lot of farmers out of business. They have not addressed the uh, mandatory overtime for farm workers problem. They have not addressed the problem that the, uh, the climate tax has driven up the cost of natural gas, propane, diesel, gasoline, and everything else. They haven't touched that. They haven't touched the problem that now legalized hard drugs or largely legalized hard drugs in the state of Washington are killing a, a couple of thousand people every single year. They haven't addressed that at all. But do you know what they have done? They're well on their way to banning octopus farms in the state of Washington. In fact, I talked to my friend John Carlson at KVI, our great affiliate in Seattle, this morning. And, I, and John and I were both laughing. They've banned octopus farming. And why is that so funny? Because there is no octopus farming in uh, in Washington State, but the Democrats have decided that the danger of having possible octopus farms in Washington State is so great that they have to literally pass a piece of legislation and make octopus farming illegal just in case somebody decides to do it. It's kind of the same reason that every single week I start the week by spraying my studio with elephant repellent. And you know what? In all the years I've worked in this studio, I've never once had an elephant come in here. But that's because I spray the octa, the elephant repellent in the studio every week. God knows what would happen if I ever stopped that Monday tradition of spraying the octopus or the elephant repellent. I'm getting them mixed up now. But the fact that the state legislature seems to think that octopus farming is such a great disaster waiting to happen in Washington State that they have now legally stopped it from happening have they done anything about trafficking of children for sex nope have they done anything about all these other problems that we have no they're, they're not working on those but boy they got that octopus farming stuff they've taken care of that problem let's go to tim hey tim thanks for listening on the radio northwest network what's on your mind how you doing lars um, well, well sir thanks for asking super bowl yeah go ahead yeah i was watching the super bowl and uh I saw an ad for RFK for president, and I haven't heard anybody talking about it, and I thought, don't know what you thought about it. Well, i got to tell you something. The, the ad, which I didn't see, I didn't watch the Super Bowl, but they made an ad, but it wasn't RFK. It was the America Values Super PAC, which, which ran the ad. And Super PACs are not allowed to coordinate with the campaign. So while the ad was made to help out RFK Jr. in his soon-to-be-failed campaign for president, he didn't make the ad, he didn't put it on the air, he didn't buy the time, and he didn't control what went into it. But now he's apologizing for the ad, even though he doesn't control the ad, because it took images of uh, President John F. Kennedy and superimposed RFK Jr. on it in a way that really set people off. Is that a good description of it? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, I, I wasn't aware of that that wasn't a, a, a political ad. I, well, it I is, it was, uh, it, Tim, yeah. it is a political ad, but if you ran, say you ran for governor, and, and I said, boy, this Tim guy, he seems to really have it dialed in. If I got a bunch of friends together and, and we said, hey, let's put together an ad that'll help Tim's candidacy, and we are required by law not to talk to you about it. We can't, we can't say, Tim, what would you like in the ad? What don't you want in the ad? Nor do you control where we try to get the ad placed. That's what political action committees, super PACs do, is they go out and they run ads to try to get somebody elected. But they're not allowed to talk to the candidate 
because then they'd be coordinating with the campaign. So super PACs can raise gigantic amounts of money that ordinary candidates cannot. Because I think the limitation for a couple to donate to a to a, an individual's campaign it's it's in the low ten thousands. So you can only give so much money to the candidate, but you can give a, a huge. You can give an almost unlimited amount to a super PAC. So this super PAC goes out. They put together an ad. They buy time in the Super Bowl and they run the ad. And for the life of me, frankly, um, he says, and in fact, RFK says the, the group that was responsible is the America Value Super PAC. But he, they didn't talk to him, nor, Tim, are they allowed to talk to him. If I wanted to put together a political action uh, committee and run ads on your or for, for the purpose of getting you elected, I'm not allowed to talk to you. Otherwise, you violate the rules of super PACs, and then you can't, you can't generate the gigantic money raising, and you're going to see a lot of PAC activity this year. You're going to see PACs that run ads in favor of Donald Trump that Donald Trump has no connection to. He 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 can see the ad. He can't tell them when to run it. He can't tell them what to put in it. He can't tell them what not to put in it. So the ad is the product of everybody except RFK Jr. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. And, <laughs> uh, thanks, and, and, for your, thanks for your... Uh, for your de definition, I was uh, uh, kind of uh, misled about that. Well, I'm, I'm glad to do it. I mean, I realize that campaign advertising is crazy, but here's what RFK Jr. said about my cousin's Super Bowl ad used our uncle's faces and my mother's. Uh, she would be appalled by the deadly health care views. Re respect for science, vaccines, and health care were in her DNA. She strongly supported my health care work, which he opposes is what uh, Shriver, Bobby Shriver, who's uh, RFK Jr.'s cousin, he complained about the ad in a post on Sunday night saying that his uncles and his mother never would have approved of it except it wasn't RFK Jr. who did it. Now, is he my choice of candidate? Absolutely not. He's got so many anti-conservative views, I'd never support that guy. But he didn't make this ad. He didn't put in the Super Bowl. The Lord. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com. View the videos and then let the 1031 Exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Quiet, please. Ladies and gentlemen, you ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Lars. This is the Lars Larson Show. Never apologize. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. And now... Then we're going to 
to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host. My memory is so bad, I let you speak. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to get your phone calls and emails on this Monday. If you want to jump into what we call the best conversation in talk journalism, it's here every single day at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, we're going to put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Well, last week, there was a story, and it lit a lot of you up. And it had to do with a mother, uh, a mother in Michigan who was convicted of a crime. And I want to tell you something, that for probably 30 years, I've been hearing people, depending on the, the crimes that happen, involving children, involving juveniles under the age of 18, I can't count the number of times people have said to me, isn't there a way to hold the parents responsible in cases like this? Now, that's not every case involving a juvenile killer or a juvenile criminal. But for a lot of us, the gut reaction is, yes, we know the child did this. But a child in the eyes of the law, you know, could they have been stopped by some proper action by their parents? So when a jury decided to find this woman, Jennifer Crumbly, guilty of involuntary manslaughter in four deaths that were caused by her son with a gun, she didn't pull the trigger, she didn't hold the gun. A lot of us, and I looked at this and said, yep, I think she should bear some of the responsibility. She's now looking at potentially decades in prison. She hasn't been sentenced yet, but she has been found guilty of four counts of involuntary manslaughter. And I thought I'd talk to our favorite former district attorney, and that's my friend of many years, Josh Marquis. Josh, welcome back. Thank you, Lars. What do you think of the idea issue. generally uh, in the right circumstances of holding parents responsible as Jennifer Crumbly was held responsible for her son's crimes? Generally, I think it's a good idea. It's what in the law we call vicarious liability, meaning the, the, the legal responsibility for the acts of another that you didn't actually commit yourself or actively promote. I mean, obviously, somebody who's the getaway driver in an armed robbery or somebody who knowingly provides the gun, knowing someone's going to commit an armed robbery or murder. They're what we call, you know, active accomplices. This is different. And um, and it, 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 I don't know the specific facts of this case. I am assuming it's more the, I'm trying to remember the, the incident that happened in, uh, I think it was. The, the incident was in November of 21, so about uh, two and a half, uh, almost three years ago. And uh, it was. Uh, well, I was she, trying to think of the, 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 the Connecticut uh, shooting. Oh, um, Newtown, Newtown, Connecticut? Was, yeah, it was. It was case, uh, although Sandy the, Elementary. The mother, yeah, the mother was was killed, in fact. I yeah, believe, she was murdered by her son, which is probably how he got the guns, because his mother kept her guns locked up in a safe. But I don't know if he held right. a gun to her face or if he knew the combination to the safe, but uh, uh, Adam Lanza well, got a hold of the guns that, that, that way. Would be different. Yeah. That would be different. I prosecuted a case, for example, in Astoria about 15 years ago where two women took uh, another woman who they were not related to into their home essentially as a boarder, but they, but this woman was in a wheelchair, and ultimately this woman ended up dying horribly alone and basically unable to rise from her bed, and I prosecuted them successfully for manslaughter on the theory that a duty existed and that they knowingly breached it. Now, they didn't do anything to actively cause her death, but they did basically 
refused to do anything that allowed her to get out of bed, get to her medication or medical treatment. And this is the same issue that I'm sure this jury had to face, which is, what, A, what's the duty of care? That When you're talking about parents and kids, there is an elevated duty of care. I mean, that's, parents are responsible, and they can be civilly. A lot of people will say, well, why can't we sue them? Well, you can, and it's not uncommon for parents to be sued successfully when their uh, children up to age 18 do some horrible act because the idea is the children can't be held liable themselves and the parents often are liable for it. But criminal responsibility is different. It's, it's going one step farther, and then the issue is what did the parent do um, other than well, you know, actively helping? I, I can roll down some of what she did. It's, un, it's undisputed that she and her husband provided him with a pistol, bought him a pistol, and this was a few days before the shooting. And so she knew she'd bought a pistol. She failed to secure it in any way, shape, or form. You know, based on the testimony, it sounds like she just gave him the gun and said, I bought you a gun as a gift, here's the gun, and did not seek right. to secure it in any way. Then she got called to school because the school said, hey, your kid is drawing pictures that appear to be violent images featuring guns, and sitting there in that meeting, she did, she did should she have said to the principal, by the way, uh, I just bought him a gun a couple of days ago. She did not. Uh, and the school screwed up, too, because they had the kid in their hands uh, and they had his backpack. And at some point they decided mom wasn't going to take him home, which she probably should have, to sit down and talk to him and to locate the gun. In fact, she might have told the school authorities, by the way, I got him a gun the other day and I have no idea where it is. She didn't do that. So the school handed him his backpack back, and ironically enough, the principal of the school testified that when he handed it back, he said, gee, this backpack's really heavy. Well, it was really heavy because it had a pistol and extra ammunition in it. And then subsequent to that, uh, this, this teenager, uh, Ethan Grumbly, uh, murdered four people. So now his, his mom's been convicted. His dad goes on trial in March. I just wanted to know if we're going to start seeing more of this as as the system starts to hold parents more responsible. Well, again, the system has always held parents civilly responsible. What's new is holding them criminally responsible. And in many of the cases that the listeners are familiar with, I mean, take one of the biggest tragedies in Oregon, the Kip Kinkle case. I mean, Kinkle's parents purchased him the gun. Kinkle's parents knew a great deal. Now, he ultimately murdered his parents. Kinkle's own sister is one of the biggest advocates for releasing her brother and has, you know, been very, very public about how she feels that he's essentially a victim of the system. You know, we don't even need to go there. But um, it's fairly rare that we, you actually see parents being held accountable, but I don't think it's unreasonable in the right set of circumstances. Yeah. If a parent just did nothing and was a crappy parent, that's one thing. But if they enable the crime and they, for example, are told, you know, we're really concerned your son is expressing violent ideation, you don't know of anything that might cause it to be more of, and, and you just bought him a, a handgun? That, I mean, we don't sell people under 18 handguns in the United States right. for good reason. Well, and, and in this case, it, it sounds like, I guess what I'm wondering is it's being described in the reports out of Michigan last week as an unprecedented case. That is a parent found criminally liable in the deaths of four people. I don't have you ever heard of a case as specific as that? No, I, I don't think it's unprecedented. I think it's unusual. 
Um, a case that a lot of your listeners may be familiar with that got a quite a bit of press was a was a case not in, well it wasn't it wasn't involving a gun it was a case of a very happened to be attractive teenage girl in Massachusetts who had struck up a relationship with a young man. You know what, Josh? Unfortunately, you started a long story at the beginning of a break, but I appreciate you coming on. That's Josh Markey, the former DA, trying to get your calls at 866-HEY-LARS. Coming up in a moment, we'll talk about Joe Biden and his Super Bowl inflation ad. That's next. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Right on the left coast. Get it? Here's Lars Larson. The Super Bowl Sunday. If you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. A bag of chips has fewer chips, but they're still charging it just as much. And as an ice cream lover, what makes me the most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk in size, but not in price. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. It's a ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice. Give me a break. The American public is tired of being played for suckers. I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Let's make sure businesses do the right thing now. Yeah, that's Joe Biden with his big concern during the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl where uh, presidential tradition has been that the president does an interview for the Super Bowl programs. And, of course, Joe didn't do that this year, didn't do that last year. You can't really trust him in front of a camera or a microphone. So he simply took a pass on that and then spent about 30 seconds describing his frustration with smaller candy and chip and ice cream cartons. Can you believe this? This is Joe Biden's big concern about inflation. And it, by the way, he's talking about the Super Bowl where a family of four going with average tickets, I think the total bill, including flights and hotels and food and the tickets to the ball game, about $36,000. So not exactly the thing that the average family of four is going to get involved in.
Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to get to your phone calls and your emails. It's a Monday, and your calls are welcome at 866-HEY-LARS. And if you're a naysayer, we're going to put you right to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. By the way, you can vote in our poll on X. We put up a brand-new question every day, and it has to do with the next thing I want to get to, and that is TikTok and Joe Biden. So... The White House has banned the use of TikTok, and the Biden administration has told government agencies to take TikTok off their devices, either phones or pads or desktop computers. Should Joe Biden's political campaign be using TikTok? Well, it's clear that the Biden campaign is pretty panicked about now. The poll numbers are falling. Uh, the president today, if the election were held today, would lose to Donald Trump by about five percentage points. And those polls are from before the devastating report last week that said, yes, Joe Biden committed crimes involving classified documents. He held on to them illegally. He disseminated them to other people without security clearances illegally. But no, we can't uh, we can't prosecute him. We can't indict him. We can't put him on trial because he's too senile and he'll be seen sympathetically by the jury. So you've got Joe Biden and the White House saying you can't use TikTok. And why did the federal government say don't use TikTok? I'll tell you. One of the few things I uh, actually agree with Joe Biden about is TikTok. TikTok is an app that you can run on, on uh, devices like phones and pads and that sort of thing. I have never had TikTok on my phone or pads. My wife doesn't use it either. We encourage everybody we know to stay as far away from TikTok as possible. And if you say, well, that's because you have a dog in the fight. Actually, I don't have a dog in the fight. I mean, yes, we have an Instagram account and a Facebook account and a Twitter account or an X account these days. But uh, the reason we do that is to better communicate with this program. We can put pictures up there. We can put video up there. It's very handy. Would it be nice to be on TikTok? I suppose so. It would get us out in front of more people. The problem is TikTok itself is a Chinese communist spy device. And the Chinese communists in, May, in uh, Beijing would like to have you put TikTok on every device you own, which is why the U.S. government has actually told federal agencies, we don't want that stuff on any of the devices you have that are owned by the U.S. government because it's a spy device for the Chinese communists. So having said that it was a spy device, the Joe Biden campaign has decided to use TikTok. And why? Because about one-third of all Americans between the ages of 18 and 29 are on TikTok. It's very popular. So you've got a third of all relatively younger voters, voting-age people, who are on TikTok. And so the White House says, or the, the Biden campaign says, let's go ahead and use it, even though we understand it's a Chicom spy device. And maybe, maybe it's because Joe Biden doesn't worry about that. I mean, after all, he's already bought and paid for by Beijing. He's already giving away the store to uh, his Chinese communist buddies. His family, the Biden crime family, has already received literally tens of millions of dollars from communist China and from companies within China that are controlled by the, the communist government of China. So why would he mind giving away information? They already own him. But here's the problem for the rest of America. It sends a very interesting message because the re-election campaign for Joe Biden is using a device, even though the White House has banned government agencies from using it at all. 
So he put up that video, uh, the one that I just played uh, the audio from for you, complaining about the cost of chips and the cost of candy and the cost of ice cream and how packages are shrinking, and he calls it shrinkflation. He's trying to divert any attention he can from what's actually going on. Joe Bidenomics has driven prices to insane levels. You've got American families who can barely buy groceries, barely buy the fuel they need to be able to get to work or to do their business. And these days, with uh, delivery service platforms like Lyft and Uber and Grubhub and the, and the like, you've got an awful lot of people who have to have an operating vehicle. And the fact is, most of those people, the vast majority of them, can't begin to be able to afford the cost of an electric vehicle, even with all the federal subsidies built into it. And I also told you last week that the American automobile industry has said we can't afford the EVs because Ford Motor Company loses about fifty or $60,000 on every single EV vehicle that it sells. And yet, uh, and yet Joe Biden does, doesn't seem to be troubled at all by the cost of fuel, by the cost of food, or anything else. But Biden HQ, that account on TikTok, which, as I said, I won't be able to ex access because while I have all the other social media, I'm not going to go anywhere near TikTok because I do agree with Joe Biden and his administration. It's a dangerous device being used by the communist government of China to spy on Americans and to gather the kind of information that probably wouldn't have been all that valuable a couple of decades ago, but with artificial intelligence, with the ability to harvest massive amounts of data and then sort through it and find data that is going to be either commercially useful or even militarily useful. Joe Biden's TikTok account now has about 30,000 followers. That video that the, I just played for you, the audio, um, uh, he, uh, he received 3.4 million views and 356,000 likes for that video. People agreeing with Joe Biden that they're shrinking the size of ice cream cartons. Like, that's the biggest concern in the world. TikTok has always claimed that it will not share U.S. user data with the Chinese government. Now, I don't believe them. Because every company that does business in communist China has to share its information with the communist government. Now, they may have found a way rhetorically around it the way Apple and other companies have found a way around it rhetorically, saying, we don't save your, your data and share it with the communist government. Instead, they have a third party that does it instead. But that doesn't actually avoid the risk. About a third of American young people, 18 to 29, are using TikTok right now, and Joe Biden has decided it may actually save him from a loss this coming November, and that's assuming that Joe Biden is still the Democrats' candidates come uh, candidate come November. You're listening the to the Lars Larson Show. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google. Yeah, he's everywhere. The Lars Larson Podcast. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'll get to your phone calls and emails in a moment. If you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, it's here every day at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. And, of course, naysayers always go to the head of the line. And when it comes to economics issues... We like to consult with Veronique de Rougy, who is a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. Veronique, welcome back. 
Thanks for having me again. So I played for my audience the uh, the audio of President Joe Biden going on and on and on about what he calls shrinkflation, oh, which I think yes. is something we've known about. I, what do you think about the fact that this is this is where the president chose to spend his his time in this TikTok message? Sure. So it's kind of funny that you would say this because I just actually finished my weekly column on this, and one of the things that I said was, I just think it's weird that he would bring that, that this is what he would talk about. For one thing, his administration's been working really hard to try to kind of make voters believe that because inflation rates have gone down, prices have, that it meant that prices had gone down too, which we know is not the case, right? Food is still roughly on average 20% more expensive than it was, shelter 41%. Um, the price of milk is, is, is I think, 18% more than it was before the pandemic. And, and so it just, it's so bizarre, uh, that he's going against message because their whole thing is like, look, uh, you should be feeling great because inflation rates are, are low. And, and of course you and I know and your listeners will know that, you know, inflation rates just mean that prices are not being down means you know, prices they're not going, going up as fast as they, as they're still going up. They're just not going up as fast. Exactly. So that's the first thing that I was thinking. And I was thinking in the end, I guess it was kind of just a really bad attempt to, um, to divert the attention from the fact that the reason why prices had gone down so significantly since he took office was because of his excessive spending. And he was just trying to kind of like, like Bidenomics come up with an easy explanation, uh, you know, like, you know, shrinkflation and it's all companies greeds. And I mean, it's so bizarre. It's very strange. Well, it is. And, and Veronique, look, when when I see him talk about this, I've been aware that this kind of thing has been going on since I was a kid, where they say, well, weren't the candy bars bigger uh, last year or two years ago or five years ago? And you say, yeah, they were, and they made them smaller and kept the price about the same. So you're buying a smaller candy bar for the same amount of money or a slightly bigger candy bar for a lot more money. Okay, that's been going on for a long, long time. But I think what it allows him to do is say, you see these sneaky companies, they're out to rip you off. And then when you go to the store and buy food, you say, gee, my food bill is high, not because the federal government spent a massive amount of money and still yeah. spending a massive amount of money. They're high because of sneaky companies out there trying to gouge me, which has been kind of his his rap all along yeah, on prices. Right, it's, it's not his but, fault. It's it's conniving by the, by the private yeah, corporations. And it's and it's worth noting that translation is absolutely correct, but usually it's a a way for company to respond to inflation pressures, right? And those yeah. stories, like he also talked in his TikTok uh, video, he talked about uh, the price of ice cream. But that that was actually this is a story that started in in 2021, and and the press has reported on it, and in 2022. Um, same thing. Um, uh, it's been explained. It was it the, the, the phenomenon has been explained um, about why this is happening. It's it's happening. It's one of the ways that basically kind of companies try to to deal with the price of increased inflation, and they know 
that some people would rather have less, uh, less goods, less chips. Wait, no, that's actually kind of that. That was really a silly argument. But um, less, um, less, uh, well, know, smaller candy bar. Then actually have the only option that you have is a candy bar that's the same size as before, but significantly bigger. So then you or, can't or more costly a candy bar. Be, because I can see exactly. somebody who says, "Look, I want a snack." Well, what do you want to pay for a snack? About a buck. Okay, this is how much candy bar you get for a buck. So we'll give you that much candy bar for a buck. So you're exactly. buying, you know, this this is the Companies treat you want. Companies are not stupid. They know, yeah. they know, they know. I mean, this is kind of the most advantageous way of for them to deal with inflation. And it's not... And it's really not that they're trying to trick us. I mean, it doesn't mean that some companies are not saying, "Hey, how about we do this and try to, and try to, but to try to kind of fool some people." At the same time, I mean, it costs money to change their entire production process, right? I mean, yep. it's not as if they can just like on a dime change the way they were doing things. They're trying to survive in a high environment, a high inflation environment, which would definitely was a high. Uh, inflation environment that started in 2021 when the administration was denying there was inflation, when the Federal Reserve was denying there was inflation, where everyone was like, it's all transitory, it's all supply chain, and then no one did anything, let it go, and then finally started, you know, reacting in, in March 2022. And by then, a lot of the, a lot of the inflation effect had, had, had taken root. And, and it was kind of too late. And then on top of that, you, 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 you end up with, you know, higher interest rates. Um, so it's like, it's been rough. And, and, but, but again, I'm just really surprised because they're, they've been like trying to say, look, inflation is down. You, sh you people should be happy. So why bring back the fact that actually prices are high or, or that you're getting less for, for the uh, for the money that you pay, because either I mean, he doesn't bizarre. know what he's doing or his campaign doesn't know. You know, Veronique, you spurred an idea, and I want to see if I can test it on you because okay. uh, you're done with your column, so you're you're not going to take. But if you want to take some ideas and throw them in your column, feel free. Do you you are promised by the federal government a defense of this nation, right? Yeah. Are you paying any less for defense spending this year than say five years ago? Or are you paying more? Oh no! And you know, do you, do you have a bigger do you have a bigger military today than you had five years ago? Well, I mean, in nominal in nominal dollars, we we do, I guess. No, we but, have a dollar um, figure military, but we have yeah. fewer ships. We have we can't yeah, even fill the ranks well, of the military. Now, wh where you live, are you paying less in the taxes that fund public safety no, in your city? Not. You're paying more, but you when you I call nine one one, how's the wait time? Yeah, exactly. It's longer. But you and I think alike because I, I, I retweeted the, uh, the president's thing, um, um, but, uh, message. And I said, this would work better if you replaced company by government. Because what usually you get in the market is you get better product, product at lower prices. There's, you know, uh, productivity, efficiency, and, and the competition drives prices down and quality up. With government, you get exactly the same. Look at poverty. It's like we've spent, we've, we've, what, we've multiplied by hundreds of billions of dollars the amount of money we spend on, on allegedly fighting poverty. And, but we claim 
that, you know, poverty hasn't budged at all. I mean, that would never fly. I mean, a company that says, you know, we're, we're, we're charging you more and more and more and more and more and more, and, and, and the, the quality of stuff is going down would not stay in business very long. No, it wouldn't at all. Veronique, thank you very much. That's Veronique DeRougie. She's at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. I'm going to think on this because I think the government, government is now delivering a shrunken product for the same price or even more money than you were paying just a couple of years ago. So maybe Joe Biden should be focused on the services his government delivers at a certain price and not the cost of ice cream in a carton. you got the Lars Lars. Hey, I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. In a rocky political climate, he's the steamroller. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a Monday. And by the way, we just got word President Trump's attorneys have asked the U.S. Supreme Court to put off his election interference trial because of his immunity claims, which have yet to be decided. And even if they're decided in the lower courts, are going to end up eventually going to the U.S. Supreme Court. So the president and his attorneys have asked that the Supreme Court extend the delay in the election interference trial saying that he is immune from prosecution on charges he plotted to overturn his 2020 election, which, by the way, we're finding out more and more about all the time. Uh, let me welcome your calls. If you want to jump into the best conversation and talk journalism, it's right here every day at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And if you want to vote in our X poll, you can find it at Lars Larson Show on X. You can also find it on our website at LarsLarson.com. Donna Kreitzberg joins me now. Donna, welcome back to the program. And I wanted to talk to you about the school choice effort that you've been promoting and about a big promotion that's going to go on at the state capitol in Salem uh, tomorrow. Yes, thanks, Lars. Thanks for having me back on. We do have two education measures that we're currently gathering signatures for right now. The two measures will allow parents to decide the learning environment that works best for their kids, and then those children will be able to access the learning environment that meets their needs. And as a marketing tool and as a symbol of happiness and awareness, we have a school bus that we've decked out to be Bella the School Choice Bus. And she drives around the state promoting happiness and awareness, and it's a good backstop for photographs. 
and she will be down at the Salem Capitol tomorrow for the hearing on Senate Bill 1583, which is going to tie the hands of school boards and prevent them from being able to vet a book that might contain age-inappropriate, sexual, graphic, yucky stuff. And so we're not um, trying to say that the school has to ban any books, but we do want to make sure that the school boards have the ability to look at these books and decide whether it's appropriate for their schools to have the books in there. And, so and Donna, I, I, told, I told people last week about this bill, and I said, look, they want to take control away from you in your community, you know, where a local school board is elected, you know, and, and they, they're not even at the county level. They're, they're at the school board level. There are counties that have dozens of school districts within them, all of which are represented by, you know, citizens on school boards. And Salem is saying, we don't want decisions to be made by those school boards, and they want to take it away and bring it down to the bureaucrats in Salem. I'm kind of surprised that there aren't more parents objecting to this strongly right now. Well, I think that there's not too much awareness yet about this bill. It's kind of snuck in at the last moment, and it might sound all wonderful because it's trying to prevent discrimination, which we are all in favor of. We don't want anybody discriminated against. But the devil's in the details, and the details will prevent school boards and the local control of deciding, hey, this isn't quite right. The kids, if they need to read this, they can go to the public library, but let's keep the school libraries and the school classrooms void of this kind of sexually graphic materials. And apparently some of these books are novels that have just gratuitous sexual things that we don't want sexual of any sort in there. It's not, you know, discrimination against a type of person at all. Um, we wouldn't want, you know, other kind of graphic things. So what we're just saying is, hey, let's not take the control away from the elected school board officials. Let's give them the ability to decide what is best for those schools and the students in those schools. And it sort of dovetails with our two measures, which are written by citizens, trying to give power back to parents who know and love their children and know the needs of the children, let the parents be the ones deciding which learning environment, public school, district, charter school, private school, homeschool, which of those environments meets the needs of their children. That's what the two education measures do. So both of these are trying to return back to parents the ability to make decisions on behalf of their and, children. And, and Donna, just so people understand, will some of this mean that the dollars assigned to educate that K through 12 student will follow the student, whether the student goes to a government run school like the traditional uh, uh, K-12 education, or can they follow the student to a private school, a parochial school, an online school or a charter school? Yes, because if you read the Oregon Constitution, the Constitution says that the money that we pay in taxes that's allocated to education is to be spent on all of our children, regardless of which classroom they're in, whether they're in a public district classroom, a private school classroom, or a living room classroom. It doesn't matter where these children are. They are all entitled to this money. So the two amendments taken together bring us back to that point that's in the Oregon Constitution right now, which is wherever the child goes, so will the money go, because the focus needs to always be on how does the child benefit? How does the child get the best education? We've sort of gone adrift from that to supporting a ideology or a building or a system. We're trying to return that back to let's make these dollars benefit these children and allow them to get the best education okay. possible. Donna, just so people know, you still need to gather a lot of signatures. How can people help you out with that effort? Where do they make the connection to your campaign? 
We have a website, educationfreedomfororegon.com. On that, there are single signer petitions where you can just print it out, sign your own name, mail it in. Or you can also print out the 10 liners for both measures. And those then, you become the circulator and you ask your friends and family and neighbors and business cohorts and just say, hey, do you believe in education and want to make sure kids get a great education? Please sign the petitions and then folks can mail them back to us. Sounds like a great idea. Donna Kreitzberg from the School Choice Bus, which is going to be visiting Salem for a big legislative hearing that's happening tomorrow. It's Monday and you're listening to The Lars Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. You ready for the big show? In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. This is the Lars Larson Show. Never apologize for being patriotic. Honestly provocative talk with Lars Larson. I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. Broadcasting across the Pacific Northwest and covering Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on the Radio Northwest Network. Our beloved republic is in the hands of madmen. And now... Then we're going to kick the Biden crime family out of the White House. Here's your host... My memory is so bad, I let you speak. Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a Monday, and I'm always glad to get to your phone call and emails. If you want to jump in, it's 866-HEY-LARS, and we call it the best conversation in talk journalism. And if you're a naysayer, we're going to put you right to the head of the list at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com and vote in our poll on X. We put up a brand new question each and every day, and it's written from the news of the day. Uh, Today, I just had to make it this one. The White House literally under Joe Biden, bans the use of TikTok, not just in the White House, but in federal agencies. But now the Joe Biden political campaign is using TikTok to try to get Joe reelected. Does that make any sense? If the White House bans TikTok, should Joe Biden's political campaign be using it? I'd answer that one, no. Uh, if you want to vote, it's at Lars Larson Show. And there's the, the laughter of Leave Finna from the Washington <laughs> Policy Center. Hey, Leave, how are you? I'm fine. How are you today, Lars? Uh, I'm doing all right. I mean, the ironies are just absolutely crazy out there. <laughs> Joe Biden says, don't any of you use TikTok, but my campaign's going to use it because it's the only way he's got a prayer of grabbing some 18 to 29-year-old votes, which used to be a reliable place for Joe Biden to get votes. Not so much anymore. But I wanted to talk to you about something else. Should schools be forced to teach Liberal curriculum, including pornographic curriculum, uh, politically indoctrinating curriculum, curriculum that tells you that uh, 
you know, gender can be changed at a whim. Uh, the drag queen story hour is okay. If schools don't do that, are they going to be forced to either do it or lose their funding from the state of Washington? Well, yes. If they pass House Bill 2331 into law, which it looks like the Washington state legislature may soon do. They passed it in the House this last weekend. Now it's going to go over to the Senate for consideration. And it appears that they're determined to pass this into law, which would, which would basically cancel local control over the schools in Washington state. Right now, school districts that don't like this, these harmful ideas being taught to their children can control the curriculum because they select their uh, instructional materials through local control, through the, their, their, uh, their school board directors that they elect. So you can get a conservative school board that doesn't like these ideas and can do quite a lot to keep them out of the classrooms in the local school district. But no, the state does not like that. The radicals in the legislature seem to be in control, and they are uh, trying to, to use money now to intimidate these school districts into adopting what the state superintendent wants them to use in terms of curriculum. Well, and just so people understand how extreme this is, I mean, ordinarily, 20 years ago, if you'd said, let's talk about school curriculum, you mean what kind of math book or what kind of history book? People might not have seen the issue, but these days, you've got kids who are being taught stuff that is literally pornographic, to the point where when parents show up at school board meetings, and we've seen this happen not just in the Northwest, but around the country, and they say, let me read you part of what your school is putting in front of my eight-year-old. Um, the, the school board will actually object and say, no, you can't read that in here. It's an adult audience, and, and we can't hear those words. It's so dirty and disgusting. And you say, well, if, yeah. if the adults can't handle it, what do you think an eight-year-old is doing with it? Yes, no, this is actually happening. It's hard to believe, but it is actually happening. And some of the materials are not fit for adult eyes, and now they're putting them in front of children. And it is such an outrage to parents who care about their children's innocence and to, who care about their keeping their children intact from from these really harmful ideas uh, that that this is leading to all kinds of efforts, groups forming to to fight this in the schools and a, a real increased level of distrust in the public school system higher than I've ever noticed before. Now, it used to be you could trust your local public school to educate your child more or less within your values. No longer, that's not the case any longer. There is a radical set of ideas in the schools now pushed by uh, legislators now in the state of Washington legislature. It's also hard to believe that they that they will do this to our children. Uh, it's, I. I I can't, I can't believe we're at this place, Lars. No, Why would I can't we do either. This to children? No, House Bill 2331. Now, let me guess. Every single Democrat in the House voted for it, and all Republicans voted against it, or were there some sellout yeah. Republicans as well? No, it was, it was passed along strict party lines. All the Democrats voted for it, and all the Republicans voted against it. No, this is, and, and for example, I, I've mentioned the pornographic part of it. I've mentioned the political indoctrination. But consider this. Tell me if I'm wrong. When they're pushing critical race theory and diversity, equity, and inclusion, they're telling very young kids, if you have black or brown skin, you are really not capable of much because you are held down by a system that is engineered to be systemically racist against you. And if you have white skin, 
you are part of the oppressor class. You're the one who's holding your classmates down or back because of the color of your skin. That's what kids are being taught, right? That, that's what they're being taught. And if you think about this. That means that regardless of what the color of your skin is, the schools are teaching you that you're bad in some way. Now, how can that be good for children? <laughs> I mean, how can it be good to teach a child that they're bad because they have white skin and they're and they're in, they won't be able to succeed because they don't have white skin? I mean, well, it's going it's going to clash with what they know themselves. Because leave, I guarantee you, there's a classroom out there somewhere where there's a kid in the class, math class, whatever it happens to be, who's a black student, but who knows. He's got this subject nailed, he's getting straight A's, he's doing very well. And there may be one of his buddies who's white, who does who can't who, who can't do anything when it comes to math or English or whatever. And the yeah. kids are gonna look at this and say, Hold on, we already know the kid with black skin is the best student in this class. Some of the kids yeah. with white skin are at the bottom yeah. of the class. They can't even begin to compete with him. And yet the teacher is telling us the white kids are the evil ones. They're the oppressors. And the black kids can't possibly learn anything because the whole system is engineered against them. It's going to clash with what they actually know by their own yes. experience in the classroom, isn't it? Yes, and I'm actually hearing that the, you know our students are very fair-minded uh, and uh, Americans are, and they're in in reality. And I'm hearing that students in the schools are really opposed to this nonsense that's coming at them from their teachers. And <laughs> so, you know, eventually this will correct itself because because it is true that it is that, that uh, if you're black and brown in this country, you can get ahead. You can become a Supreme Court justice. You can become a, the president of the United States. Everyone knows that's true in America. And it's not true that we that white people are actively oppressing black people in this country. It's just a falsehood. And so uh, it, it has to collapse of its own weight at some point, how it's going to be done, maybe through the political process, I don't know. But it's it's just hard. I, I want, I want parents to target those Democrats. Just understand, if you know a state lawmaker and they have a D in front of their name, they voted for this garbage. And you need to ask them straight up. You're for teaching my kids drag queen story hour, pornographic books to kids at eight or nine years of age. You're, you're teaching my kid he's bad because he has white skin. Just explain that to me. To make that demand. You know. With, with me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours.
Visit 1031exchange.com. Wise words from President Reagan. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to be with you live on the Radio Northwest Network, proudly serving the Pacific Northwest states of Oregon, Washington, and Idaho for the past, well, 24 years now. Our poll on X, the White House bans the use of TikTok. In fact, the Biden administration has told the federal government, don't have TikTok on any devices owned by or used by people within federal agencies. And now Joe Biden's political campaign is using TikTok, the very thing that is banned from the White House. Does that make sense to you? Uh, should Joe Biden's political campaign be using it? I'd answer no to that. But then I'm a logical person. Maybe Joe would have a different answer. Today's poll on X is brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at ultimatetruckservice.com. Now, if you want to join the best conversation in talk journalism, I'm about to take a naysayer. Uh, if you want to be a naysayer, that's easy to do. We put you to the head of the list at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. John, the electrician naysayer, what do we disagree about today, John? Welcome to the Conspiratorial Outrage Theater Hour with Lars Larson. <laughs> That's cute. That's yeah. really cute. Well, Lars, what, what do you, you which started, conspiracy are you talking about today, John? Well, you started your show out today so often like you do, like something just to kind of stir people up, and it's often not based in any fact or any significant statistical information. Actually, I start, and I, you know what? You know, John, just yeah, so you understand, I, I start with whatever I think is one of the biggest stories of the day. Sometimes there's okay. more than one. In this case, I, a shooting at a church point. near Houston in which, thank God, only the, the killer in this case ended up dead, but a child is critically injured and a 57-year-old man is injured. And I suggested there is a connection to a, a, a mental malady that we refer to as transgender. What's wrong with that? It is, Lars, it's statistically insignificant in that it's like one point. Three percent of mass shootings are, are uh, done by transgender people. It's more significant. Eighty-five percent are by whites. Are we going to start ha having outrage about white people going around shooting? Ma doing See, you mass skipped shootings? over something interesting, John. What oh, percentage skipped over what, in that? No. What percentage of the population is is transgender? Even if you use a, a very loose definition of what transgender is. It, what percentage it's of the a, population? It's a, it's a small, very small percentage. It is. Now, yeah. when, I, when I cited numbers from the Center for Disease Control Behavioral Risk Surveillance System and Youth Risk Behavior System, it found that the share of mass shootings over the five-year period they looked at, 2018 to 2023, we don't have numbers yet for 24, is 7.4 times as high as the share of population for transgender. So oh. they're batting above their, or they're punching above their weight, to use a boxing metaphor. Well, 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 well there's no doubt that there are troubled individuals, but, I mean... That's not what I asked you. But John, this, but what I asked you is, large, if transgenders are a tiny part of the... Your, now, come on, let me finish my... This feeds into your narrative that you beat on every single day. 
just one. Oh, they're running around shooting everybody. They're, sure, there are shootings. You mentioned five. Okay, five shootings. No, by, but I'm, by the CDC numbers are for all are among all the mass shootings. Five, Lars. Five. No, there okay. there are more than five. Counting Lakewood, there are now six. Okay, six. Okay, six? but if you okay. look at all Matt, hold on, listen for a second. If you look I at the CDC, all the time to you. Lars. I know he's going to do this. You're just going to yak over me, and and I <laughs> I'll put up with it for a while. But I'm asking a serious question. If you found out that a particular medical mental malady, so can we agree that people who are trans, said to be transgender, whether they're in the middle of, of, of transitioning or not, there are some troubled individuals. Can I, I finish the that. question, John? Otherwise, do you Mark, want me to just put you on hold? Is a ten-minute question. I'm trying. No, I'm trying to ask you a question. Ask can we question. agree? Don't just. Can we don't... agree that transgender are mentally disturbed? No. Okay, I'm, then I'm let me ask you there. a question. I'm hold say on. There are hold on. Individuals. Yes. Well, what does troubled me? Have me say that they're what all. Does, they're what all does trouble? Well, John, have have are you we heard say as that all Southerners are John? Gonna... You know what, John? I'm going to try with you really hard oh, because you're oh, a knucklehead you're most of the time. Have you heard from advocates for transgender that they are so mentally troubled? If you want to use troubled instead of mentally ill that they are, if they are not granted what they want in transition, they may well kill themselves. Oh, Lars. Have you heard that from the advocates for transgender? Yeah, but you're, but, oh. Uh, you no, know, my, my point is, these, there is no other group of people where we say we have a special concern about veterans because veterans tend to commit, have a higher suicide rate than the general population. So if you know there is this set of people who believe that they are the gender they were not born with, that they are so troubled okay, mentally I, I gonna, that they are... Oh, geez. You know what? I'm going to give up on John. In fact, John, you know, you, I'm just trying to ask you a question. I know, but you got to the question, but... Uh, well, I answer the question it's, then. It's statistically insignificant, though. Hold on, hold on, hold on, John. John, okay. I'm, I'm going to make it statistically significant. Okay. If the percentage of transgender in the population is committing mass shootings, according to the CDC, at seven and a half percent, seven and a half percent, seven, okay. not seven and a half percent, seven and a half times their share of the population. So, so, so in, in, OK, so you know what that means, Lars? You, you mentioned there's six. So that means that. No, there that aren't just six. The CDC's list is hundreds of okay. shootings. You're, so you're not talking about just mass shootings? No, yeah. I am. I'm saying trans share of public mass shootings over 2018 to 2023 is 7.4 times their share of the population. So how many shootings is that? I don't know, and it doesn't matter, does well, it? Well, yes, it does matter. It, that, Why? That, is, that also matters. Why it's does it matter? a small number. If you said I mean, that left-handed, red-haired guys committed seven and a half times as many shootings as they represent in the population, it would tell you there might be something there that is causing a problem. Are they mentally ill? Well, they're likely to commit suicide if you don't give them transition. So, yeah, I think it's a fair conclusion that they are mentally ill. And then when mentally ill people who are said to be at a rate of suicide 
that is much higher than the population. And then they commit mass shootings, according to the CDC, at seven times the rate of people in the general population. Yes, I would say that's significant. Janice in New Orleans, welcome to the program. I've pushed us close to the break. What's on your mind? It's always a pleasure talking to you, Lars. Listen, before I heard Joe Biden saying, I heard this out of his mouth. Innocent lives lost in Gaza and Israel. It's a tragedy. Well, I had to ask myself when I heard him say that. Yes, it is a tragedy. But what about the innocent lives? The, the lady and her son were killed just the other day by a drunk driver from uh, um, El Salvador. A girl was raped and murdered. And, uh, and then in my state, a woman was killed at the hands of a Guatemalan. People are coming through that open border each and every day that he's leaving open and being killed. Wouldn't you say that's a tragedy? I would say that's absolutely a tragedy. You had an invasion in Israel and more than a thousand slaughtered. You've got an invasion in America and a lot of people are dying. The Lars Larson Show. Listen for five minutes. You'll feel better. More with Lars Larson right now. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a Monday. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to get to your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. I want to talk to our friend Hans von Skowski, who's Senior Legal Fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Hans, welcome back. Uh, Lars, thanks for having me back. I do want to talk to you uh, about what the Supreme Court heard, the oral arguments on last week regarding the Colorado case, where they just summarily decided to kick Trump off the 2024 election ballot with not a lot of support. But before we get to that, I want to ask you about this most recent development where uh, Trump's attorneys have, within the last couple of hours, uh, gone to the courts, to the Supreme Court, and said, we need you to put off this immunities case until this is all resolved. Um, and, and I want to know if there's anything more we should know about that, because I've told my audience that I'm not a lawyer, but it, it looks as though what Trump is saying is this, this other case involving whether or not a president has immunity needs to be decided, and he wants the U.S. Supreme Court to, uh, to put off any other, other further action uh, by the courts until that decision is made. Can you put that in context for us? Sure. Uh, this is because um, a week or so ago we had a three-judge panel of the uh, Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia deny his claim of presidential immunity. They said presidents don't have immunity when it comes to criminal criminal prosecution. I, I think, frankly, they're wrong in their analysis of, of this, but the point is, uh, the three-judge panel said no presidential immunity, and the president uh, really didn't have any choice other than to appeal. They do it, file an emergency appeal with the U.S. Supreme Court because with that uh, panel decision, it means the trial that Jack Smith, the special counsel, wants for March could, would go forward. And this has to do, I mean, they're, they're characterizing this as, as this is Donald Trump's effort to overthrow the election. And, of course, the main, the legacy media always <laughs> says it's the attempt to overthrow when, in fact, he was asking Georgia and other states saying, well, we want you to count the votes and we want you to only count the legal votes and we want you to count the votes that are there. 
uh, that we know to a fair certainty are there and not to count the ones that were counted illegal or that were cast or counted illegally, which seems like not overthrowing an election, but simply supporting a legal legitimate election. Am I wrong? No, you're exactly right. In fact, your analysis is much better than that of Jack Smith, the special counsel, who is trying to make a criminal prosecution out of, in essence, questioning the outcome of an election, which is why what Smith is doing is just, frankly, an abuse of the whole law enforcement process. Well, I mean, hasn't, I mean, we've heard Stacey Abrams, Barack Hussein Obama, Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton. I mean, the, the list is very, very long of people who've questioned the outcome of elections, even to the point of declaring that guy, meaning Trump, is not the president. The election was wrong uh, about 2016. So all of a sudden, one person gets prosecuted for saying it out loud, uh, what the other, the, the Democrats have been saying out loud for literally years. I mean, you could go back to Al Gore, couldn't you, in 2000. Yeah, but Lars, those are all Democrats. So for them, it's okay. Um, it's when Democrats control of, take control of the Justice Department and don't want anybody questioning the outcome of the election that suddenly it's a criminal violation of, of the law. Look, I mean, to tell you how bad this is, uh, look, we're talking about the federal case, but look, the case that Fannie Willis, the Fulton County prosecutor oh. who's in big trouble, filed. <laughs> down there, if, if you look through her indictment, She's taking all these First Amendment activities and saying they're criminal violations of the law, like giving a public speech, questioning the outcome of elections. That, she says, is an unlawful act. So, I mean, that tells you how crazy what's going on is, is today. Couldn't a first-year law student beat that one on First Amendment grounds just like, oh, Judge, this is First Amendment free speech. The judge says, get out of here. Why is any of this being taken seriously by the courts? Well, because, frankly, you, uh, the courts aren't doing what they should be doing, and some of them uh, aren't doing it because they're liberals and they're very biased. That certainly is the case with the federal judge assigned to the criminal case in the District of Columbia who made it clear before she ever got the case that she thought um, uh, uh, Donald Trump was guilty of of uh, leading an insurrection, which is another reason why she should never be, have been assigned to the case and ought to recuse herself from it. Well, and then Fannie Willis, who apparently, it, you know, there's there's equal opportunity. It's not just men who can't keep it zipped. Apparently, she couldn't keep it zipped either, nor resist the temptation to shovel $600,000 of public money to her boyfriend who had no qualifications to be a prosecutor in that case anyway. No, that's that's correct. And since all this came out, she has com uh, continued to commit ethical violations uh, and violations of the professional code of conduct that governs prosecutors in Georgia. OK, let's go back to last Wednesday's uh, oral arguments where uh, right. it sounds am I optim am I too optimistic in saying sounds like all nine may actually vote and say Colorado was wrong to throw Donald Trump off the ballot and then by extension, every other state that's even thinking about it, like Maine or Illinois or the others, uh, they're all wrong as well? Uh, no, I don't think you're misreading the situation. Now, they could surprise us, as you know. <laughs> but, but it was very clear from the very tough questions that were being given um, to the lawyer representing the uh, voters who have been trying to knock uh, 
Trump off the ballot, they asked very tough questions. And, and look, some of the toughest questions actually came from the liberal justices, including Justice Kagan and Justice Brown Jackson, the newest, and they obviously were very skeptical not only of the ability of state officials to to take a a presidential candidate off the ballot, which is what a lot of the question was about, but they were also skeptical of the lawyer's constant claim that it was an insurrection on January 6th and that, uh, look, when the lawyer opened up by saying that um, Donald Trump, had led the first violent attack on the U.S. Capitol since the War of 1812. Come on. That, that was so over the top that he was already hurting himself. To compare the criminal trespassing that occurred on January 6th by a few to the British Army invading and burning the Capitol in 1812, like I said, that was so over the top that he was hurting his client's case from the moment he opened his mouth. Now, Hans, you might disagree with me, but if I say there are three members of the court who I kind of expect to vote politically, no matter what the law says, no matter what the Constitution says, they're going to vote politically. But in this case, do you think part of where they're going with with their interest in this is they say if they can cut, kick, if a blue state can kick Trump off the ballot, then red states could conceivably kick any future Republican off the ballot, too? Uh Yes, uh, you mean any, any or Democrat? Future, it, yeah, any future Democrat, right? Yes, no. I think that is, in fact, why you might get uh, those three votes. And look, I don't think you are somehow not correct in saying that they vote politically on so many cases. That's particularly true of Sonia Sotomayor and and Justice Brown Jackson. Uh, look, if a state official has the power to say that. Someone's guilty of insurrection when they've never been indicted or even prosecuted for it. Uh, why couldn't uh, Republicans now say that, oh, Joe Biden, he's guilty of treason. He opened up our border. He refuses to enforce our uh, immigration laws. He's guilty of treason, betraying the country. Therefore, he shouldn't be on the ballot. He's thrown off the ballot, denied the electoral votes, and can't be reelected. Well, he can't be reelected anyway. That's Hans von Spakowski, who's a senior legal fellow at Heritage. Back in a moment, we'll get to your phone calls and emails. Naysayers always go first on the Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. 
does the work so you don't have to. Bringing the political heat. He's Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you on a Monday. By the way, we just got word that in New York City, in the Bronx, there was a shooting at a subway station. It, uh, the early reports indicate there was a fight on one of the trains that came into the subway station, and at least five people were shot. The victims range in age from 12 to 17. Apparently, this fight on board one of the trains. When the train stopped, the fight spilled off onto the platform, and uh, five people ended up being shot. One young lady, one girl, was actually murdered in that case. We'll find out details as they're available. Let's go to Douglas in Coos Bay, listening on the uh, Radio Northwest Network. Hey, Douglas, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Hey, how you doing? I thought I'd call in about the uh, transgender uh, talk that you were talking about earlier. And, oh, about about uh, why they, they are a, a disturbingly high uh, percentage of the mass shootings that happen in America? Well, you know, what it comes down to is, uh, first of all, I went through this my entire life. Um, I went through uh, a gender identity issue, and after uh, growing through this, transitioning, owning a, a female identity for a lot of years off and on, for over 30 years, um, I detransitioned, um, changed my life, and owned my identity as, as the good Lord has given it to me, and uh, let go of the hatred that was in my heart. Um, I was molested as a child, which messed with my head. I grew up, you know, and I grew up in a very, um, very abusive household. And so, what what I think is really wrong with people in general is 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 an emotional issue, and they have no identity because they weren't given the proper proper raising, the proper self worth as a child. They weren't taught proper morals and understanding, and they so they reach out into something and get distracted by other people telling them, uh, you know, what's right and what's wrong, and, oh, you don't feel that way, so we're going to make you this way. And it's an absolute um, horrific crime of what they're doing to the children nowadays in giving them surgery without parents, uh, with, you know, hormone surgery. Um, they're mutilating them. And uh, there's a lot of people that are stepping out now that have been through this that, that are saying this was wrong, that they didn't have the capacity at that age to understand what they're going through. I'm yep. 61 years old, and I've owned my identity. I've given up the hatred in my heart. I hated my father, and that was part of the problem. Was, was your hatred for your father, was that part of, of, of deciding you wanted to try and transition from one gender to another, and he didn't want I you think to? That, that stemmed into it later on i hid it until i was in my 30s from my parents because i didn't want to end up in the in the doctor's office i didn't want counseling i was uh, an intelligent young kid i understood sex at five years old because i was molested and i think the molestation is what gave me a hatred for my body and not understanding why because that happened at three years old and i had no idea at four why i felt so different and well, and in fact, Douglas, let me ask you something. A child, not every child who's molested ends up growing up different. Some some end up in, in a healthy life, but, but many of them do end up uh, having a great deal of trouble because of that. If you, if at, at a certain age 
you know, these people come out and say, I've decided I don't want to be male anymore, I want to be female, or vice versa, then you're not going to address that underlying issue at all, are you? You're just going to say, well, you know, then, then, uh, then we'll help you transition to something else. And I keep reading studies and stories out of Europe where they were a bit ahead of us, not in a good way, but, but they were doing more of this stuff. And now Western Europe is backing off this stuff hard because they say, this isn't working out. The people we've transitioned end up as, as unhappy as they were before, except now they're unhappy that we've transitioned them. So there, so a lot of Western Europe is backing off of this, and I wish America would see that lesson. I agree with you completely, and I think they're even more unstable and unhappy because when you take uh, a child who has male hormones running through them, and even if they haven't... Um, you know, our DNA is either male or female. There's there's yep. no difference. I don't care. If you transition and you change your looks, and ident- I can make a, a Pinto look like a Ferrari, but it's still a Pinto. Exactly. And, you know, you, hey, but, you but, know, but let, me, let me ask you this, because Douglas, the naysayer who called in, was not happy at all that I was saying, look, of the percentage of transgender in the American population, they are committing, uh, they are involved in mass shootings about seven and a half times as much as, as people in the general population. I don't care what the group is. I said if it was left-handed guys with uh, red hair and you notice there was some unusual thing they were all doing or doing at a greater percentage, I'd say that's a problem. You should address the problem. And he's, he wants to ignore it and say, oh, it's statistically insignificant. Well, the people in Nashville and Colorado Springs and now Lakewood Church in near Houston would differ with you, I think. I'll give you the last 30. Um, no, I, I agree. It's an emotional problem, and it's, it's, it's just like alcohol. Alcohol is a symptom of the problem itself. It's not the problem. It's a symptom of the problem. Gender issues are a symptom of a bigger problem that has been put in place from lack of identity, inappropriate touching, or um, other issues, not being raised with an identity or an understanding of who you were born to be or who the good Lord is or anything to do with uh, a, just a good, a good childhood raising. I'd have to agree with you. Douglas, thanks very much. Back in a moment, you've got the Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com. View the videos. And then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com.